You're listening to Back to the Light with J.D. Rieger. Hey, everybody. Welcome to yet another episode of Back to the Light. I am J.D. Rieger, and despite being a teeny bit under the weather at the moment, COVID test negative, I'm over the moon to be recording this episode for you from my new home city of Memphis, Tennessee. I'm utterly thrilled to be back in Memphis, both personally and professionally, and I'm excited to see how the show and entire Back to the Light organization grows from here. Thanks to all of you for sticking with me during the brief hiatus that I took to move. Let's get back to business. My first guest of the new era is legit one of my childhood heroes and a Memphis wrestling legend. He's a member of the WWE Hall of Fame and a world champion many times over. He's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, My World with Jeff Jarrett. You can find him on social media at RealJeffJarrett and on the web at RealJeffJarrett.com. You can also catch him at Super Show Live this Friday, April 1st in Dallas, streaming on Fight TV. Listen up, slap nuts. Here's me and the last outlaw, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's a completely an honor to talk to you. Appreciate you having me on, man. Got a little new software that I, we dug in. I'm kind of impressed. Uh, are you impressed that I, it was only a couple of clicks, maybe less than 30 seconds. I fixed the audio problem. So, uh, howdy folks, Double J here. That's J.E. Uh, I won't get into the world's greatest, but uh, I'm becoming quite the techie, my friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm duly impressed. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. How you doing, man? I appreciate it, man. We're going to talk my world. We're going to talk Gillies on April 1st, a little Fight TV, a little NWA. Man, we got a lot going on in my world. Not pardon the pun. Absolutely. And I'm an avid listener of the podcast. I was just listening to the Moondogs episode earlier this morning. It's a great one. Oh, wow. Wow. Appreciate that. Would you, would you, uh, to, have you finished it yet? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's a completely different because a lot of folks candidly don't have any idea about any of it. It's an, it's a different business model, different time frame, but it still relates today. But, the, the, just sort of the genesis of hardcore wrestling and deathmatch and GCW being so hot. It, it's it's a cool throwback to, to walk down the, those uh, early hardcore days, so to speak. And in fact, I, I emailed you and mentioned a, an encounter we had back in 1993. I don't necessarily expect you to remember me personally, but I'm curious if you remember that night because it was a really big night at the Coliseum. I'm talking about August 9th, 1993, where you and Miss Texas fought the Vampire Warrior, who is also known as Gangrel, and Luna Vachon. Do you remember that? I, okay, so I, I do, and because Gangrel, um, you know, our, uh, at that time, the WWF travels. Um, you know, it, we were all so young there, and just, you know, again, it was, God almighty, so you were there? I, yeah, I was there. Where are you from originally? I'm from Memphis originally. I grew up okay. watching, watching you on Saturday morning wrestling. You were wow, actually, okay. I was more of a Jeff Jarrett guy than a Jerry Lawler guy. 
Man, oh man. Not many of those around, pal, but no, I'm kidding. I appreciate the support. Well, that night at the Coliseum was such a stacked night. That same night had Lawler and Kurt Hennig for the title. One, two, three kid, also now known as X Pac, was there. Scotty Tuhati. Of course, the Moon Dogs, who we just mentioned. But the attendance at that time wasn't super no. great. Why do you think that was? Well, you know, and we really get into this, me and Conrad. And again, he grew up a, we'll call him a Hulkamaniac. And so the territories, specifically the, the Memphis territory, him, like a lot of folks, it was just a little early. But, um, you know, when you look back at history and, and understand that Hulkamania started 83, 84, 85. And so by 93, this is the date you're talking about, the national expansion of of the WWF to the WWF and, and Vince had, you know, created his national expansion and national promotion that had been well underway for, for that's what I'm saying, like 10 years. And, uh, the Turner organization, um, had gone from a few cable systems, uh, mainly in, in Georgia and, and some up on Ohio and, and TBS was a superstation, but nothing like it became in, the late 80s and early 90s. And so the territory business model was on its last leg. It's to me, when I look back, it, it's kind of miraculous that it even survived until 96, 97. Um, but, you know, the, the territories, for all intents and purposes, early 90s, that model, um, as far as a sustainable business, ha had really died. And so this 93 card, although the card was stacked and, you know, you just said it, Lawler and Henning and Moondogs and, one, two, three kid. And, you know, a really, really uh, incredibly talent laden card, but the numbers didn't show it in the box office. You were primarily a, a good guy, a baby face in your Memphis days, but that was almost never the case in WCW or WWE. Why, why was that? Well, you know, again, a different era, a different business model, if you will, in that, uh, in the territory, A, it was a family business. B, uh, the business philosophy that my father and Lawler and, and others is that you, you know, you, you had to have a, uh, we'll call it a number one baby face and a number two. And a lot of times it's a healthy territory if you have a number three and four, but, uh, and then you cycle the heels in and out. But, you know, Lawler didn't make every show every night. And I was the young guy that worked seven nights a week week in week out and so it made more business sense for me to be a baby face um although from time to time i think uh, switching heel might have worked for a short term but long-standing it was a, a business mindset but then flipped the switch and you know vince mcmahon and and bruce pritchard but you know uh creative in 92 93 and and the era of the industry and my love of country music and Vince's vision of seeing me as a heel. I saw myself as a heel. I think it was a no brainer. And so that sort of set my trajectory on the, on the national stage and an international stage is to be the arrogant, cocky, uh, flamboyant at times, uh, heel that could wrestle and could back it up. And, and Vince saw money in that. And, uh, that, that was the, the, the path that, that we all took. Fast forwarding a bit to the present, you recently made a return to the ring after nearly three years for GCW, got a big win on pay-per-view. How did that feel? Wow. 
Um, GCW uh, and and uh, we'll call it the Jeff Jarrett relationship goes back well before uh, this past January of 2022. You know, there was a couple of different times that they were wanting me to uh, one time wrestle Joey Janela, another time wanted me to wrestle Orange Cassidy. And it just it wasn't anybody's fault. Just the timing never worked out. Uh, but, you know, last year, the launch of my world and coming out of the pandemic, it just the opportunity, kind of the stars aligned. And then uh, Effie coming on super, super strong uh, in 2021. Uh, and I've said it multiple times, huge box office potential and attraction for GCW Effie. And so just everything sort of lined up and um, we'll see that where that goes. But at the Hammerstein, that was my first appearance ever. And, you know, um, we'll call it debuting uh, a twist in, in the Jeff Jarrett um, persona, the last outlaw. It, it, everything just resonated. I, I'm still kind of overwhelmed at, at, at all the feedback. I definitely wanted to ask about this new character or persona, the last outlaw. How is that different from previous incarnations of Jeff Jarrett? Well, you know, on the podcast, um, we, we dive into it in a couple of different ways. And, and coming up on Friday, April 1st in Dallas, um, you know, th- there's going to be quite a bit of chatter because when, when you look at the lineup of myself and Eric Bischoff, it's going to be on Fight TV. Uh, but, you know, we've got Jeff Hardy and you got Steve Regal and obviously Conrad steering the ship. But We'll talk about character development and persona, but you know the, the whole last outlaw is built around. I'm one of the last guys that came. What we just talked about the territory days. I've, I've seen a lot. I've experienced a lot. Wore a lot of hats: promoter hat, wrestler hat, um, executive producer hat. Um, we, we, you know, appropriately, we, we the, the Moon Dog situation and, and hardcore and. It just, everything lined up. So the last outlaw is kind of a, uh, as far as my in-ring career, kind of a last stand. Uh, and uh, it, it's definitely resonated. You mentioned the super show that you're doing in Dallas on April 1st. I wanted to ask you sort of about how WrestleMania has grown to sort of transcend WWE. There are all these unofficial side things that go on during the weekend as well. It's almost become bigger than the the event itself, don't you think? Well, um, and I don't know if you're an NFL fan or a Super Bowl fan, but when you understand the ecosystem of the NFL and what actually happens Super Bowl week, and now candidly, it's the weekend before. It's you know, it's almost a, a ten day event with you know they have corporate sponsors, they have alumni associations, they have all kinds of parties and gatherings and cocktail hours and luncheons. And just it, it, it's really what we'll call it the Mecca, uh, the NFL past, present and future all sort of descend on the Super Bowl city. That's what WrestleMania has turned into that, um, you know, you, we, you, you briefly touched on it, but we're going to be a part of WrestleCon. And that's the biggest non WWE fan convention in the world. And it happens for three days, uh, which is obviously not affiliated with the WWE at all. And, you know, Busted Open is having their party. There's all kind of, you know, Game Changer Wrestling has a multitude of events, uh, Reality of Wrestling, uh, World Class Revolution. There's all kinds of uh, shoulder and peripheral events. Uh, and, and now that WrestleMania has gone to two nights, it just keeps continuing to get bigger and bigger and bigger.
Speaking of Texas, I'm I'm a musician. It sort of reminds me of the way South by Southwest is and how yep. sometimes the unofficial showcases are even cooler than the official stuff. Great analogy. I'm well aware of South by, but, but that that's, you know, because, um, look, there's gaming companies, not just 2K. Other gaming companies are going to be uh, exposure-wise in Dallas. So it, it really is going to be a, about a five-day wrestling extravaganza with sponsors and talent and vendors and gaming and uh, independent wrestling and you know fight is has fight has an enormous exposure uh at, at wrestlecon and, and throughout the weekend so it, yeah it's a big big weekend and if folks want to see what you're going to be doing they can get that on pay-per-view right on fight yeah all you have to do the easiest thing for your listeners is go to at real jeff jarrett and and all of the information will be there that's on twitter instagram and facebook at real jeff jarrett i want to ask you about something a little bit personal for a second if you don't mind um i personally am coming up on three years sober i know that you are a sober person also and uh without getting into any dark stuff i'm curious how is your life better without alcohol? Uh, I heard this just recently. Um, someone said, can you just tell me one thing about your life that's changed, that's gotten better? And uh, the, I, I overheard that, or not overheard, I, I observed this conversation. And I just sat there and I listened. I said, that's a fantastic answer because, yes. There is one thing that has gotten exponentially better, my friend, and that one thing is everything. <laughs> and it's, it's it, it, at times you say, "Oh, come on," but no, in a way, it is indescribable uh, it, because it's not one thing or this or that. It's it's truly everything. So uh, I'm incredibly grateful for uh, my sobriety. Kudos to us both for finding a different path, I think. Right on, brother. Right on. And I do, man. I appreciate you asking that. I appreciate your time today. And uh, I've got an awful, I'll just say this, a jam-packed media schedule today. We're talking, like I said, the NWA coming up 19th and 20th on flight, Friday, first of Gillies, my world. So, man, I appreciate you having me on today. Thank you so much for joining me, Jeff. It was truly an honor. My next guest is a voice that you'll hopefully be hearing more of on the network in the near future. He is, or was, I'm not sure, the co-host of the You Look Like a Comedy Show and is definitely an expert on all things professional wrestling. He also holds the distinction of being my first guest in Memphis as a Memphian. Jeff and I talked while I was still in Chicago. Welcome back to the show, Brian Balo. Brian, thanks for being the first guest in the Memphis era of the podcast. I'm super fantastic and happy to be here. This is great. I love talking wrestling with you. Well, I'm happy to have you over. Uh, as you know, earlier in the show, I talked to Jeff Jarrett. So do you have any favorite Jarrett memories? Uh, there's a bunch. Like I, you, you, We talked about uh, interviewing Jeff, and I had to kind of like dig in a little bit. And I pulled up a couple factoids. First thing that always popped into my mind for that was Jeff and Razor Ramon in the mid-'90s. Like, amazing feud. And, you know, it seemed like it went on for years, even though it was you know a relatively short amount of time that they actually feuded. But, I mean, that's one of the characters that I go back to when I was, you know, in my my teens back then and man did 
I just hate Jeff Jarrett. Like the the <laughs> double J, like Nashville musician. Like I was still living in Chicago at the time, and I knew like I don't like this guy from Nashville. He's no good. He's just causing problems. But he was great for that, and he helped elevate that. I think another, even though it doesn't really fly in this day and age, is uh, late '90s in about '99 when Jeff Jarrett had his setup where not only was he tag teaming with Owen Hart, which is a fantastic you know combo to have as far as you know ring skill goes but uh, 99 was when he was on his uh women stay in the kitchen and uh keep your place feud so oh, he Lord. was beating up may young and uh taking uh taking many guitar to people but that's also when he got to elevate uh china and china won the intercontinental championship that year so while it has some uh negative connotations and certainly wouldn't fly right now um you know it did do something for pushing uh women's wrestling in that standpoint that it made china even more prominent and let her run with the guys and pave the way for you know the women's division that we see now which compared to 10 years or so ago is extremely fun and quite possibly especially as far as w goes sometimes the best thing that's on their program i know something that jarrett has mentioned on his own podcast is being proud to have been in some mildly anyway historic situations where he was able to put people over the china situation that you mentioned but also he was the one who put booker t over for his first world title very true i i didn't watch a lot of late 90s wcw i mean like growing up north i was always a wwf guy and during the attitude era when that was really hot and the nwo was out there i was certainly doing my my channel flipping back and forth but once like Jarrett really made his way into wcw in the late 90s i mean it was such a dare I say, poor product that it just kind of continued on where I just lost interest in it. And and at that point in time, WWF was, you know, white hot and they were putting on a great show. There was no reason to change the channel. So I missed a lot of that Jeff Jarrett stuff at the time. I mean, I've certainly gone back now and, you know, watched the network and gone back to old episodes, but it was never really anything I paid too much attention to at the time. I know you watch a lot of indie wrestling. Did you see his match for GCW earlier this year? I, oh, uh, that was, uh, who was that against? Effie. I saw the highlights of that. I, uh, I I didn't actually get to see the whole thing. I was trying to remember which GCW I paid for, and then I was like, why did I pay $30 <laughs> for this? But that wasn't the one. No, I, uh, I caught the highlights from the Effie match, which Effie's fantastic. So really strange to see the two of them work together, but. I mean, Jeff's getting older, but he can still go. Like he knows, he knows his limitations, and he knows how to, you know, make a match work. And I think he can pull that off for a little bit longer too. One thing I talked to Jeff about, and I think it's timely because this week is is obviously WrestleMania weekend, and we discussed how WrestleMania has kind of expanded beyond the parameters of just WWE. It's no longer just about WrestleMania itself or WWE itself. It's become much bigger than that. No, it's a it's a conglomeration of, of all wrestling come together. Um, I, uh, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually, because I can't remember if it was yesterday or the day before, but it was, I believe, the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania 13, which was my first WrestleMania that I got to go to at the Rosemont Horizon in Chicago. That was the one that featured uh, Undertaker getting his first... Uh, heavyweight title win against Psycho Sid, and that's also the uh, Bret Hart, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin double turn match. So 
you know, back then, even going to that, yeah, there was some fanfare for it, but you were going for the event and then it was kind of over. And then, you know, as the years progressed, you know, even just in the WWE aspect, they, you know, started bringing in the fan fests and then they started doing NXT on Saturday and the pay-per-view on Sunday. Now you've got WrestleMania running on two nights plus the fan fest. And then obviously the add-on that the indie wrestling community flocks down there. I mean, for that reason, you know, SummerSlam is in Nashville this year. I doubt I'm actually going to buy a ticket to SummerSlam, but you better believe I'm going to be in Nashville that weekend and I'm going to check out a bunch of great indie shows. Maybe I'll catch the, the Raw after SummerSlam, but I'm not looking forward to going and seeing SummerSlam in Nashville. I'm looking to go for that weekend of experience and being around all of that great wrestling that's going to be happening there, even though it's, you know, essentially focused around this one event i'm sure you'll be watching wrestlemania will you be watching any of the side stuff on pay-per-view i'm gonna do my best to keep up that's a that's a lot of wrestling to happen in a you know 48 72 hour span so i'm sure i'll get to it eventually you know i i as a longtime wwf fan i i feel it's my duty no matter how excited or not that i am to watch wrestlemania this year that i have to at least pay attention to it so i'm going to try to pick up on some of the pay-per-view stuff and i'm sure i'll catch some of it on the uh the budget drops once it happens a couple days later and catch some replays but there's there's too much to catch in one weekend which is the beauty of it and it'll give me hours of entertainment for the rest of the week to follow do you think cody rhodes is going to be at wrestlemania this year I'm leaning on it. You know, I initially thought that the whole thing was kind of a work and that it was going to be uh, just a build up to gain some attention to it. Um, I think WWE has had too much uh, input into it on their television programming in the past week or two by, you know, saying dashing this and smoke and mirrors and, and all the other buzzwords. And I don't think it would you know benefit them to allude to that if nothing was happening. And then uh, Jericho just did the interview on his podcast the other day where he kind of let his tongue slip a little bit and said, Cody is going there, which I mean, you can take Jericho for his word as much as you can, but it seems like more and more signs are pointing towards this. And, you know, just even reading the internet, you know, it's, it's got the scenario of like the Hardy boys when they came back a couple of years ago where there was no buildup, but everybody sort of knew it was happening. And it was the surprise of them just coming out essentially unannounced. That was really the, the big, you know, the big shock of it. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of expecting that to happen. What else are you looking forward to? Uh, I ask because I've really started keeping up with AEW more on a week-to-week basis. I, I still know generally what's going on with WWE because I read, you know, like the news sites and stuff. But I've, I've really only been watching the pay-per-views for the last, I don't know, five or six months. So I'm not as in, involved in their storylines as I guess I could be or should be going into this WrestleMania. What are you looking forward to? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of the same way. I've been checking out a little bit more than I normally do, and AEW is putting out a really good show right now. And they're, you know, they're they're not perfect. They have a, a lot of low moments during their their weekly programming, but they also have a lot of high moments and a lot of stuff that they've taken some long term booking towards. No, nevertheless, I'm still checking in on WrestleMania. Um, Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair is going to be great. Uh, Bianca Belair is a fantastic talent in the ring, and she's shown that time and time again. So putting the two of them together, I think it's going to be a great match. Um, 
obviously the build up for whatever Kevin Owens and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin are going to do, which me personally, I'm hoping it's not a match. Like, I'm kind of happy with Stone Cold being gone. Like, granted, let him get out there, get in front of a crowd, take his, his pop, and, you know, maybe throw a stunner or two out. But I don't need to see him wrestle after this long away. It's kind of one of those things where I want it to, to stay away that way. And then... But wait, wouldn't oh, you rather see him do that? Do it here than, like, at one of those ridiculous Saudi Arabia deals? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I... So when when I was when I was younger and I watched wrestling, I, I don't want to say I was into the gore, but you know I, I was so much more mesmerized by that, like watching uh, Mankind versus Undertaker Hell in a Cell live as a teenager was mind blowing. But then you know you get older and you become an adult and you watch all the documentaries and you read all the articles about it and you see like the hell that they put themselves through, and that was them in their prime doing that. So now you're taking somebody like Stone Cold, which I I don't know his age, but he's like late fifties, probably early sixties at this point, had a long career with numerous injuries. I don't think he's as old as Sting. But and I'm but I'm getting to that with Sting. Like I'm glad <laughs> Sting is happy and I'm glad Sting's wrestling. But like the last uh, the revolution pay per view where Sting jumped off the, the balcony, went through three tables. I don't want to see Sting do that. He doesn't have to do that he anymore. He went off to the prove top himself. rope again last night. It's insane. And if that's what he wants and makes him happy, I'm not here to tell him no. But for those guys that have already put in their time, like I'm happy to see Sting come out, wrestle a competent match, help put somebody over, help make somebody look good, and walk away with a good quality of life. Like I would hate for something like that to happen where he takes a bad tumble off of doing a spot that doesn't need to be done. And I kind of feel the same for Stone Cold. Like far be it for me to tell him what he can and can't do, but. I don't want to see the match because if it ends up subpar, that tarnishes your memory of what you saw of Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if he ends up hurting himself and, you know, decreasing his quality of life, that's no way for a guy that's put in that much time and effort into the business to have to live with. So, And he stayed away for so long, it would seem... He Why go, go out, back now? He can go out, throw a Luthez press... Throw a couple, you know, stomp a stomp a mud hole in the corner, and then toss a stunner or two out and chug some beers. I would love to see that, and it's been a long time since I've seen that. I don't want to see him wrestle a ten minute match, and I mean, even if it got Kevin Owens over, I, I just don't want to see like a weakened, stone cold Steve Austin kind of put in uh, half half the job that he should be putting in if he can't do it. And if he can, by all means, I'm I, I will be the first to say I'm wrong, and I'm not telling him what to do, but. It's, it seems like he should go out, do his spot, enjoy it, give the fans a, a, a good memory to, to take away from it and saying that they got to see it and kind of leave it be there. Let's talk for a second about AEW, which we both watch more than WWE, at, le at least Absolutely. lately. What, what about it is it that, like, why are we both so much more interested in this? Uh, I mean, for me, it's that it just feels so much more spontaneous and the performers feel, I mean, they look like they're having fun. The show is more fun. It's quicker paced. But it's just something about the WWE just seems so, everything is so cyclical and predictable and... I don't know. It just feels it feels really in a rut right now. I mean, it, it comes down to what the two of them have both said about themselves. WWE says that they are sports entertainment and AEW is saying that they're pro wrestling. And that's what that's what's drawing me to watch the AEW show more is because it does remind me of the pro wrestling that I grew up on and, and the things that I've you know watched over the years. Uh, not to say that there aren't things on WWE right now that that 
you know don't interest me there they still do some good stuff but yeah it's it's sort of predictable it seems a little forced at times and AEW just seems a little bit more organic and that's also in the nature that the fact that they are a little sloppy and some of their talent isn't all that great and they they have a lot of mistakes on their show but that almost humanizes it 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 feels like a wrestling show because it doesn't always go off perfectly and you don't need i mean you know that's one of the reasons why in the past couple years when uh nwa started doing their power show on youtube and all that like that was great like no no ring entrance songs you know no flashy lights no titantrons any of that it was just guys coming out and when they went to do an interview they walked 10 feet from the ring and went to the desk just like they did on memphis wrestling sure, here lance when, and dave yeah exactly so i i love the fact that while some of wwe has gotten so blown out of proportion people are seeing that bringing it back to its roots a little bit can still be modernized but still keep that tradition and that feeling and, and i think that's the you know that's to, to quote them, that's the, the key demographic. I think they're trying to catch the people that are like you and me that are in our age group that grew up watching this stuff and have seen it change over the years. And it's nice to have something that is reminiscent to what we were brought up on and what was really good wrestling. Last thing I want to ask you about between WWE and AEW and NXT and Impact, there is a major wrestling show every night of the week on TV right now. With the with wrestling's audience, how sustainable is that for that much content? Could it possibly could all of those shows be successful? I love wrestling. I it's my favorite break from life. It is my escape from reality. When I'm having a tough day, that's the thing I go home, put on the TV to take a little bit of the edge off. There's so much out there, even with that being a good majority of what I consume as far as my media intake, I can't keep up with all of it. Um, can it be sustainable for everybody? Yes, because it seems like for the most part, everybody's going their own direction. You know, WWE definitely has a direction for how their product is placed out, and AEW has that. Seeing what AEW is going to do with their acquisition of Ring of Honor, if that's going to be a developmental system for them or another roster, which which, you know, as they've grown, they've bloated their roster a little bit. And, you know, they're having these YouTube shows to put it out where they could be featured on a Ring of Honor roster to give younger guys some some TV time, make them their, their you know, triple A league. So with that impact and everything else in between, GCW and all the countless promotions. I mean, even the fact that those are our weekly shows that we get, that's not even including everything if you get the Fight TV app. Every weekend, somebody's got an internet pay-per-view for $5 or $10 or $20. And it's people that, because of the, the media age that we live in and the ability to put things on YouTube and, and, and have that access of putting your product out there, it may not be the most profitable, but the smallest promotion in Podunk, Mississippi could essentially have a nationally televised program if word of mouth gets out around Ford enough. So there's almost too much content to consume but everybody seems to be doing it their own way so that not everybody's going to thrive some places will fail but there's always going to be something for everybody and you'll if you look hard enough you'll find what is your niche in this and what draws you to liking wrestling whether that's wwe aew or blah 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 from south haven mississippi it's out there and it's available and you can find what you like and glom onto it and enjoy it and 
the fact that there's more of that out there is more wrestling for everybody else. What do you think AEW is going to do with Ring of Honor? I'm hoping it's a developmental setup. Um, I mean, it's not bad that they have the AEW Dark and, and the other YouTube shows that they do, but it'd be nice to take some of those folks that have you know put in some of that time and proven themselves that maybe don't get a weekly spot on Dynamite or even Rampage and give them their own you know, league to be in. I think it, it would work well for them to take some of these guys and you can take a couple, you know, vets with it along to help kind of guide it. I mean, it's one of the things I feel like as much as they've screwed up, NXT is doing right. I like Dolph Ziggler being the champion right now. Like take a veteran guy, have that be the upper echelon that these young guys are trying to beat. And when somebody finally takes him down, that is going to help elevate them faster than beating somebody that's essentially from, you know, a, a bit of world, uh, association to be on equal playing field with where Zolf Ziggler is a guy that's been a veteran in WWE for years. So I'm hoping AEW does something with the ring of honor, keeps some of the original talent, allows it to be a developmental place for them where they can call them up to their main roster and also keep it functioning where you don't ever have to get called up and have it be self-sustaining and still be something fun for people to watch. Brian, I think you ought to do this talking about wrestling on a podcast thing on more of a regular basis. I don't know. I would love to. It seems like a thing I like doing. And, you know, most of the time it's just me annoying my coworkers or my wife. So I could try to work out something with that. Well, let's see if we can't make it happen. Sounds like a plan, my friend. I will catch you next time. All right. Thanks, man. That's the show. Thank you to Jeff Jarrett and Brian Balo. Thank you to Arthur with two H's for the opening theme. Thank you to Joey Pegram for the closing theme. Thank you for listening, of course. For music, news, episode archives, and other fine podcasts, visit backtothelight.net. And until next time, take care, y'all. Part of the Back to the Light podcast network at backtothelight.net.